happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of Squirrel Friends, the official RuPaul's Drag Race podcast. I'm Alec Mappa, and my only job is to introduce the queen of all things, the queen of show business, America's sister, Lottie Love! Hello! Alec, how are you, darling? I've been good. I've been working, and I've been stalking you on Instagram. When I say that you're the queen of show business, you've literally met everybody. You have a video on your Instagram of you interviewing Dolly Parton. Yes. That blew my mind. How long ago was that? Oh, this was maybe about five years ago when I interviewed Dolly and um, I had the opportunity. It was when we were still doing the reel and my Uh producer called me on a Friday and said, you can interview Dolly Parton tomorrow, but it's a Saturday. (sighs) And I was like, what does that matter? It's Dolly Parton. Uh Uh (laughs) You know what I mean? So Uh she let me go and interview Dolly. And when I say she was she was having a performance, it was in Santa Barbara at a theater out there. And I was the only interview. And Mm -hmm. they had it set up with her clothes. They had all of her guitars. They had all of her wigs as like a backdrop. It was awesome. Mm -hmm. And I sat down and had the best 20 minutes of my life with her. And I remember, you know, because whenever I interview someone, I always Mm -hmm. try to put in... An effort? uh, (laughs) (laughs) I always try to put in a question that is about my culture. And one of the things that I loved about Dolly Parton is a lot of people know that she wrote I Will Always Love You, which Mm -hmm. was famously covered by Whitney Houston. So the question that I asked her, I said, how did you feel about, um, I'm paraphrasing it because it's so long ago, how Mm -hmm. did you feel about Whitney remaking your song? And it actually, you know, it became this great hit. Yeah. And she said, honey, I don't care as long as I get the money. (laughs) There's a famous story about like Elvis Presley wanted to sing that song Mm -hmm. after he heard it, but he wanted to sing it and then get the writing credit (gasps) because a lot of, a lot of pop stars do that. If like, I'm going to do your song, then part of the thing is I'm bringing it to this bigger audience and I want the writing credit for it. I want the rights to it. And Dolly said, well, you can sing it, but no, that song's mine. Yeah. And were you nervous? Were you excited? I would be nervous just because she's like one of the most talented people on the planet. You you have nerves for the first two minutes. And then once she starts talking to you, it's like you love people that's not judgmental. You know, I know this lady don't know me. But she uh-huh. she sees me as an interviewer and she yeah. saw me as a woman and it was just great. And so that as an interviewer, it helps you to calm down and get your focus 
correct and straight. Yeah. You know what I mean? And she was just lovely. She talked about her husband. Um, I asked her about hip hop because I said, you've been mm-hmm. so kind of, would you think about, you know, maybe doing a duet with Snoop Dogg? And she said, well, you know, I'm not into that, but my husband listens to Snoop Dogg and, and, and started reciting. <laughs> it was just, one, you can go on YouTube and check out that Dolly Parton yeah. interview, but I just love this. And we have a great interview today that I'm yeah. very excited about. Speaking of talent, mm-hmm. speaking of talented queens, we have Ben De La Creme. Oh. Ben De La Creme. Ben De La Creme. Who killed it on All Stars and killed it on season six, is with us today. And she's a Seattle queen. She is a theater queen. She's written so many shows post-Drag Race. She's done a lot of live performances post-Drag Race. And we can't wait to talk to her today. Cannot wait. So you know what, Squirrel Friends? Just... Go get you some water, get you some mm-hmm. tea, get you an adult beverage if you're over 18, <laughs> over 21. <laughs> and we'll, come, we'll be right back. <laughs> we'll be right back. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Okay, Squirrel Friends, our guest today, you know, from RuPaul's Drag Race Season 6, where she was named Miss Congeniality and All-Stars 3, Hide the Whiteout. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Famously sent herself home. She is terminally delightful, and we are terminally delighted that she is here. Please welcome to the program, Bendela Cram. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having me. Well, first, how are you? How you been? I'm doing well. I'm on the road right now on tour, and you know it's great to be great to be hitting the boards once again. Yeah. yeah. How many stops have you made so far? Oh God, I don't know. I just wake up and put on makeup and walk on stage. Uh, I don't know. We're about halfway through, maybe a little more than halfway through the tour, and I think it's 33 shows total. So I don't know. Wow. Half of 33 now- is 16 and a. Half. Is that true? Yeah, I was told there wasn't going to be any math on this test. Uh, Lonnie, Bendela is on the road with their holiday show with Jinx. 
Oh, uh, so wonderful. It is. And, and folks, if you've never seen um, the Christmas special, uh, it's currently on Hulu, uh, the Jinx and Della holiday special. It is so great. I've watched it like nonstop for the past couple of years. Definitely. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, I'm I'm so proud of that. You know, it's really like it was a crazy thing we had to figure out how to do in the pandemic when we couldn't be on the road with this. But um, but it's so good to be, you know, last year was our first year back with the the live holiday show. And we got cut short about two thirds of the way through with COVID, which was mm-hmm. a bummer. I'm knocking on wood right now. That's not a um, sound error. And I, um, but you know, things are going so well this year and every year, you know, we write a new show for the stage show. So it was like a bummer not to get to get all that material to the West coast last year. So, um, but this year I think is the best show we have ever written. So I'm really excited. Ooh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. Can't wait. Okay. Um, you know, we love you from Drag Race. And let's talk about your experience on season six. How was that? Um, you know, it was, I don't know, it was good. It was so long ago now, you know? Yeah. It's, like, yeah, yeah, it's like asking somebody about their childhood and they're like, oh, it was wonderful. It was idyllic. Oh, right. No, I, <laughs> I repressed all these other memories. Um, yeah, no, season six was uh I don't know. It was, I was, I didn't know what I was going into, you know, so many of my, you know, my more recent experience obviously was on all stars when I knew exactly what to expect. I knew exactly what I was going in to kind of deal with season six was when you go on that show for the first time. And I think especially in those early single digit seasons, Mm -hmm. like now people kind of know more what they're getting into, but we really didn't like, you know, fortunately, mm-hmm. I had Jinx on season five. She sort of gave me a little bit of a primer of what it would be like. But it was just so weird. It was unlike anything I'd ever done. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, suddenly going from doing local stuff in Seattle to being in a TV studio for the first time and having all these people. You know, drag queens, we're like in charge of everything. Like we run every aspect of our business and our lives. And then you go into this scenario where you are not in charge of anything and it's just mm. crazy. But there were all these other super talented queens and I was really like in awe of everyone and very nervous. I mean, I was nervous the whole time I was on season six. It was like, mm. you know, it's just, a, it's a lot of unknowns. You're right. It does seem like a long time ago. And there's so many legendary queens that came out of that season six season. We're talking Bianca, Adore, Courtney, Darian, you, Jocelyn Fox, Laganja Estranja, everybody seeing those people for the first time. So to walk into an arena where it's like all killer, no filler. Yeah. It Mm. sounds like you had to surrender a lot of control. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, you know, and that's all you can do anyways. You know, it's just about getting in there and rolling with whatever happens. But it definitely, I mean, meeting that cast was very, you know, I wasn't even necessarily familiar with all of the queens beforehand, but just Mm -hmm. walk into this wall of talent and you can just kind of feel it, you know. And it was, Mm -hmm. you know, looking back at it, I know I'm especially biased, but I think it is, it's just objectively one of, just the craziest casts in terms of it's my favorite season don't tell anybody (laughs) i mean i have to say i love season four i love season four and i love season five but Mm -hmm. there is something Uh really specific about season six cast what made it specific what made that cast just like a crazy cast for you well i think it's like at that point you know i don't know this is theories but at that point i think drag race had enough of its legs that people were really you know 
right? Like now we're into it where we've got all these queens who are on Drag Race because they got into drag because of Drag Race. Season six right. is still that era before that happened, right? Mm. Like, like Laganja and Adore are probably two of the first queens to ever have been on Drag Race that were like young and coming up while Drag Race was airing. Everyone on seasons prior was somebody who started drag before Drag Race, right? And so it's like a thing where there's a certain different type of passion, I think, that comes from a queen pre-Drag Race where they right. there was no chance of fame or fortune before Drag Race mm-hmm. became popular. You oh, became a drag understood. queen. You became a drag queen in spite of the fact that you would never be famous. You just had to love it that much, you know? So there's a specific quality you see, I think, to the queens on season five and earlier. And then most of us on season six as well. And at that point, it's like queens like Bianca, who are maybe like, uh, I don't know about this drag race thing because uh-huh. maybe it's not going to catch on. Season six is that perfect moment where it's like clear that like, okay, the drag race train is rolling and we got to get on it. But we right. also still got all these old school queens who like have the passion and the fire. But then, which is not to discount the younger queens because you know, Laganja and Adore are also bringing something to the table that we've never seen on Drag Race before, which is this Correct. kind of like youthful vitality, this new perspective, but they also have that same hunger. I mean, I think it's just, it's just kind of the best of both of those worlds. And then mm-hmm. we move into, you know, it's like, you know, you get into the later seasons and it's a lot more of girls knowing what they're getting into, maybe having a plan of how they're going right. to be part of the machine. Season six, mm-hmm. I think, was before that really started happening. Right. So there's a lot more kind of like freshness in a certain way. Right. Oh, it's oh, like every innocence. previous season was like season one of American Idol, where it's right. Justin Guarini and Kelly going, what is this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what is this going to turn into anything? Now, you talk about this transition uh, between the seasons, and I was there at the uh, Ace Hotel for the finale taping. Yeah. And previously, the finale tapings had been in Glendale in a smaller theater. Ooh. That was in this historic theater downtown, packed to the rafters, and it felt different. Yeah. It felt like, oh gosh, this has become something else. Can you tell us a little bit about that being on stage in front of the Ace Theater and seeing the fans in front of you for the first time after being in the studio? Oh my gosh. Well, it was, I mean, that was, I mean, that whole time is just so nuts because after the show starts, I mean, you film the show, it's terrifying. You don't know what Mm -hmm. you did. You're like, I blacked out for two months. What happened? Was I any good? (laughs) Did I make a fool of myself? You worry about it for six months and then it goes on TV and, you know, your fears are either like, squelched or proven and I genuinely had no idea what to expect and then seeing it on television I was so delighted and excited that a I was pleased with what I'd done and that b other people were were responding well to it and so there's all this kind of like anxiety that you build up and then leading up to that taping at the ace which is the first time that you're with the drag race group on stage in front of a live audience and like the love and excitement coming from that crowd and really sort of any anxiety i had in terms of like how i was received or what people thought of me and especially you know going home when i did which i was really rattled by i was like oh no did i deserve it did i not see some shortcoming that i had on stage that i didn't and when people were like no you were great Great. Like, why'd you go home? You know, and that's no shade to any other queen, but it was, it makes you feel very seen. Validated. Yeah. yeah. And when Rue is like, you know, she said on stage, she was like, 
whoa, people really reacted strongly when you went home and the whole audience just went nuts. And it was just, uh-huh. it's such a good feeling and it kind of does really help you be like, okay, yeah, I was really in my head, but I don't need to be. That's not an indicator of, you know, it's like a good lesson to try to hang on to of like, okay, receive all this love that's coming to you now and remember that that's there even when right. you can't be witness to it, you know? Well, you are the pioneer. I mean, you're one of the pioneers and that's why it was so important because you have to remember at that time, it was still kind of like people didn't understand, like I'm talking about outside people, you know, mm-hmm. did not understand the importance of drag. So really I look at from season seven on down as the pioneering years for me because it's what, actually created what we see right now. And the Mm -hmm. question I have for you is, how did you get started in this art form? How did you get started in drag? Oh, God. Well, you know, I mean, people obviously ask me that question a lot. And it's really, I was one of those young people who was, I was probably like seven the first time I used a bath towel as a dress. You know, it was just (laughs) like my relationship to drag and gender is very specific in a way that it feels very tied to who I am. Like I Mm -hmm. identify as a male, I don't know, man has always been like a term that sounds jarring to me, but like I identify as male (laughs) outside of drag, but drag is so much a part of who I am. It's not just a job. It's not just something I do. It is super tied into me. And I've always kind of talked about drag is falling for me somewhere between an art form and an identity. And so for me, I've always been a drag queen. Like I am a male person who is a drag queen in their heart. So when I found drag, which was really like uh, in the 90s when the Wigstock documentary came out and I saw the Wigstock documentary for the first time and it's, you know, Lady Bunny and Candace Kane and Flotilla DeBarge, all these incredible queens performing, legendary queens on the stage. And I didn't think like, oh, this is the job I want when I grow up. I thought, oh, there is a container for who I already am. Like there's Mm. a, there's a world for people like me. And now I just have to get to it. Right. And I I love what you said earlier about you, the earlier drag queens before a pre-drag race, if you will, (laughs) who just did it because they loved it. They didn't do it because they were going to be famous and everything. And we learned a little bit of your story on your original season in season six, that your, your mother passing away and when you were very young and going through the depression and your drag identity of Ben de la Creme being this terminally delightful, positive person kind of bolstered that depressed kid. And I that to me is so fascinating. Aww. Can you talk a little bit about that time and how Bendela has helped you? Yeah. Well, you know, it was a real journey in terms of how my drag persona sort of progressed and developed and and mm-hmm. what that looked like. You know, the character of Daylight really didn't she didn't really solidify until I lived in Seattle. Uh, I moved there in 2006 and mm-hmm. that's where that really started to crystallize, but the journey along the way, you know, when I was younger, you know, those very early days, I was, you know, just like sort of drawn to makeup and the feminine, but I wasn't sure quite what it meant, but I knew that it made me feel powerful. And I think you see this in a lot of young queens, like now and pre-drag race sort of, you know, I think it's a very typical sort of beginning phase of drag, is that when I first started going out into bars and realizing that people thought I was like gorgeous, and I suddenly went from feeling like a really awkward, like not super 
well-regarded kid, like not just in the straight world, but also in the gay world. Cause I wasn't like a muscle queen, like a, what, like this is very heavy mask for mask days. Right. right and I was not right. well-regarded in that mm-hmm. world. So when I entered these spaces for the first time in drag and I felt how powerful that was, I turned into an absolute bitch. Like I was so, <laughs> and I think you see that all the time, right? You get like sort of drunk with power and you're like, Oh, yeah. people will get out of my way. People will respect me. People will let me talk shit to them who never, would do that otherwise and you start to like sort of get really into that and so my initial character this is when I was living in Chicago my first character her name was Tina Angst and she was a punk riot (laughs) girl and she I like only performed to like La Tigra and like the you know the raincoats and like you know this kind of punk like angry character and so much of it I think was me sort of getting out all this stuff of like this power dynamic in the gay world of like, uh, I don't feel like at home here. I don't like, yeah. you know, because I, I felt like I didn't like the way people treated me out of drag. And then I felt really inspired by this queen. You know, there's a lot of Queens that inspired me. I've talked a lot about Barla Jean Merman, a uh, huge influence Love on me. Her. But, yeah. but at this phase in my life, there was a queen by the name of Miss Fousey, who is still there in Chicago. And she, I never really saw her perform. She would show up at these bars and she'd sort of, she wore this moo-moo and this big sort of like funny, like feathery wig updo mm-hmm. beehive thing. And just Sounds like, like me on a Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, like, just like sort of some quick makeup. And she would come into the spaces and she would like pass out candy. And this is like before, you know, you had to be worried that it was like, you know, had a razor blade right. on it. And she was like, right, right. would go around and hand out candy <laughs> to all of the like, you know, people in the bars. And she'd say like, hello, pineapple. How are you, pineapple? She called everybody pineapple. And you would see all these like sort of bitchy men who were all being kind of mean to each other suddenly melt and become so sweet. And I saw that and I was like, I all this anger that. I'm portraying, the way that I'm trying to get out, like how I'm trying to change things by yelling Mm-hmm. through this character that's not doing anything this queen is changing everybody as she moves through this space through this kindness oh. and this love and that's when i was like oh that's it that's how you change this community that's how you add to this community that's how you bring something valuable and that's when i decided okay the character has to lean to the other direction for me it has wow. to be mm. rather than me using it as an outlet for all my negative feelings it has to be me challenging myself to be better than my negative feelings in order to like create that new environment when you say negative feelings and you talk about this character you used to do in chicago it reminds me of the character you came up with the for the girl group challenge in yes. all stars yes it, that that kind of angsty when you were doing the spice girls and she was like the god girl who was really and you ended up winning Mm. that challenge and so we could clearly see that but what you said about the positive thing this is what i notice is that gays on our own lonnie you know we're into like picking each other up and what do you have how big is your body what are your muscles like and when a drag queen comes into the mix you bring a very feminine energy into the room yes that you're talking about that feminine positivity that kind of like smooths the rough edges and helps balance all of us out is that what you were talking about yeah i think so but i think it can go either way right like i don't Mm. think like i don't think feminine energy is necessarily negative or positive and you know Mm. any sort of because we do see that manifested all the time right like we see queens who like bring this sort of like bitchy cattiness through the quote-unquote feminine right so 
I just think drag is so heightened. Drag, you have this control because you're curated and because you are larger than life, right? Like, as a drag queen, as a character, I'm not restricted by the rules of mere mortals because we have to live our lives, right? We have to have a full range of emotions. As a drag queen... I only exist for a few hours a day and therefore I can be my best self for those few hours, right? So, mm. and that I can make that be whatever I want it to be. That could be bitchy and negative and to not even like qualify it or put like a rating on it, but like the energy Bianca is putting into the world, very different from the energy I am putting into the world. And I love mm. Bianca. I was just chatting with her over text just now, like, right? We're, we're great friends, but we've just made decisions about what it is that we want to like harness this character for. And, right. and they have different, you know, a lot of people really draw a lot of power from all of these different aspects of it. But the one that I've chosen to speak to is this one very specific thing. And I don't think it's necessarily linked to femininity or masculinity. I think it's just linked to like the fact that when you have a heightened character, you can decide what you want to like distill everything down to. I you got know? you. Did you use like between All Stars and when you originally started... Was there a difference? And what made you want to do All-Stars at that time after doing season six? Right. You know, season six was very hard, but obviously, like, gave me so much. And I was so, I was then able to, like, take this career I'd built in Seattle and sort of expand it to a larger platform and a larger audience. But I was really happy with what I created after season six, you know, like things were mm -hmm. like working. I was getting to really do the things I wanted to do. And I sort of felt like I got what I needed out of it. And I wasn't mm. necessarily feeling like I needed to go back and do it again, but I got the call and I'd sort of been preparing myself in case I had gotten that call for like, okay, how, what do I want to do about this? Cause I right, knew it was right, starting right. to go out there. You know, and I thought, I I think I'm good on that experience. I think I don't want to go back in and, like, tempt fate. I had such right. a good sort of takeaway the last time. Like, who knows what yeah. happened this time, right? Mm -hmm. And I talked to a lot of my drag mentors mm -hmm. who are folks who I've always looked up to in, in my career. And, and one of the things I'd always admired, and it actually almost made me never audition for Drag Race to begin with, was these queens who had built themselves without reality TV. Like, the queens oh. who had built their careers like pre-drag race who were like touring the world doing these solo shows i was like they went through all the steps and that's why they're as talented as they are is because they worked that hard right and i was right, sort right. of like drag race you sort of like fast forward and you don't suddenly are on a huge worldwide platform mm -hmm. but you don't have the you haven't done all the steps so you don't have everything right. to back it up right so right. finally i decided i was going to go ahead and do it and i'm so glad i did because you know, while I had been able to harness a lot of what I did post season six and kind of spread the word, I was still doing a lot more like nightclub appearances and stuff after season six. Whereas mm -hmm. after All Stars, I had gotten back to like, okay, that's not my interest. I love theater. I love the solo shows I write. I love the full cast productions I get to produce and direct. And so after All Stars three, I really got to be like, all right, great. So now this platform has happened and now I can put even more into making sure that more people can have eyes on this specific thing I love to create. And that's right. where the holiday show and the holiday special and all that sort of have stemmed from. So, Well, we're so glad that you did All-Stars because you gave us yes. so many memorable moments. I'm talking Julie Andrews in that Diva Challenge. Ooh. Unbelievable. Doing Julie Andrews going, call me mother. <laughs> Paul Lynn. 
so funny <laughs> and such a genius idea that goth girl and it, it was just like it was a shock for you to leave it was like and we're still reverberating from that shock well and i had you know i mean it was like all stars was hard in different ways than season six but it was also so fun i mean to go mm-hmm. in and to just kind of know what to even expect like emotionally in a space like that you know i mean one of the craziest things about going on drag race is having to like navigate this new situation you're in and like but you know you go back on and you're like all right you could throw some surprises at me but i basically know how this is gonna feel and so yeah i was actually surprised by how comfortable i was surprised by my own performance quite frankly <laughs> like i didn't expect to go in i was like i might go home first i don't know that's the other thing right like when you go on all stars you're like i did so well the first time even though i didn't like win i also yeah. didn't go home first and i was memorable right like i could go you know so you never know but i think it was sort of specifically because i went in like a knowing more b just having more experience and being more confident as a performer but also with a little bit more of a eh, i could go home at any second and my job here is not to win it's to make a great impression right because i realized well, that sounds like you weren't in your own way like exactly. that is the best like the here best out in in la during pilot season if you go in like oh i gotta get this or this matters more than anything you're gonna suck I tell this to Alec yeah. all the time and he, you know, he doesn't listen. I so don't thank listen. You. I never learn anything. <laughs> so now Lottie and I are a team. We're the Squirrel Friends team and you and Jinx are the dynamic duo yes. of the drag world. You guys hitting the road. If you see the special, you're like an old vaudeville team. Like you've been working together <laughs> through several different lifetimes. Uh, but as you know, we don't have that much time left, but could you tell us a little bit about your relationship with Jinx, how it started and on the road with you guys performing and writing together this wonderful show? Yeah, well, Jinx and I met when I was living in Seattle, like over a decade ago, before either of us was on Drag Race. And so we have like a long history together, you know, it's a very rare and special connection in general to be a, a drag queen, be a drag queen who has this kind of specific kind of comedic live singing vaudevillian theatrical sensibility that yes. we both have. So when we found each other, we were very drawn immediately, right? And we also like spent our sort of some of our formative years as performers and also as humans together, you know, like mm. we've been through a lot. And then we've also been through, I mean, the idea that you would know somebody being a sort of a a local performer, then a first-time TV personality, then a worldwide drag personality, right? Like, like we've gone through all those levels together. And that's a very specific and and weird journey. And now it's work. We talk about this a lot. You know, our friendship is really successful because we put the work into our friendship. And there's a lot that happens in that dynamic. And it's like, you can pretend that things like jealousy and power dynamics and like who's getting what attention don't exist, but that's, you're not going to get very far as friends if you pretend those things don't exist. They exist and we talk about them and we are very like loving with each other and like, okay, like right now I'm a little bit more in the spotlight right now. You're a little bit more in the spotlight, but we're a team and we respect each other and we pull each other up and we're always like have each other's backs and That's been something that we've spent a long time cultivating. And I think that's just true in any relationship, friendship, romantic business. So I'm very proud of what we've done with that. And as a result, we have this very specific artistic sensibility that is very weird and kind of balls to the wall. And we just go Mm. for it and we make stuff that's as weird as we want it to be. And it turns out people like it. And I think a huge thing that people respond to is the genuineness of our connection because we're very... 
I think, mm, vulnerable in some ways about it. And the writing on that show and is talented. so good, Lonnie. You're and both talented. so talented. And they can check it out on Hulu, the, on the Hulu. holidays. Yeah, they're like the, you're like the sweet and sour team. It's kind of like <laughs> Jinx is this kind of, you know, gin-soaked, sees everything with a gimlet eye, and you're so positive. <laughs> and you also should watch the show because there's an actor on the show, Lonnie, who plays uh-huh. Jesus. Really? And he is stunning. <laughs> And not only is he stunning, he's actually really good. Not you lusting after G. On you know the show. What? And, but because he's the moral center of the show. He gives the lesson at the very end of the show. I love it. About I love friendship it. and everything. It's just you know, so lovely. We are enjoying this conversation with you. But, you know, Alec always says that drag is like a superpower mm-hmm. and a superhero identity. So we always ask when we interview people, what is your drag superpower? Oh, not like if I could melt people's bones with my eyes or something, but like what is my actual (laughs) drag superpower that I currently hold? If I could change the molecular structure of a human being (laughs) through the nuclear fission coming out of my eyes. I think my drag superpower is, I think it's making people feel seen. I really try hard to everything I put on stage to have it have something behind it that is like acknowledging a common difficult thing that we all go through, right? Like with the holiday show, it's all about the fact that the holidays are a difficult time, especially for people in the queer community. Some of us can feel really alienated from the idea of family, from the idea of this sort of like warm and cozy heteronormative imagery that maybe we don't feel like we're invited into, right? And so the show is about acknowledging that and reclaiming it. And it's like, I want people to feel seen. And every show that I make and everything I do on stage is something where I'm like, I want you to know that an experience you're having is an experience that everybody else in this room is sharing with you. And when I talk to people one-on-one in a meet and greet or anything like that, I want them to know that whatever they want to share with me, I can hear and I can understand. And I think that's the biggest thing. When I talk about outside of drag, when I use the platform to speak about mental differences in terms of dealing with depression, bipolar, any of those things, I want people to know these are common. We can talk about them. We can share this experience. You're not alone. And to me, that's the most powerful thing I can do with my drag. That's wonderful. And, you know, we Uh, get that. I met you in Provincetown years and years ago. I was there with my son. He couldn't have been more than six, seven years old. And uh, you were, it was right before your season and you were so sweet. Your whole vibe, I mean, you kind of got down like the characters do at Disneyland so you could be the size of the kids. (laughs) You looked them in the eye. They felt seen. They were delighted. And what I love about you is everything is so well thought out. You have a real intention with everything. As we wrap up, where can people find you on your socials? And tell us about your website. Where can we get that website? Yeah. Well, your info. I'll make it real easy for you. Bendelacrem okay. across platforms. B-E-N-D-E-L-A-C-R-E-M-E on uh, Twitter, <laughs> Facebook, Instagram. I don't know if you use Facebook anymore, anybody. But uh, And then my website is just... <laughs> MySpace. Uh, yeah, MySpace, uh, Friendster, <laughs> then uh, bendelacreme.com is my website, and you can always find what I'm up to, my touring dates, where you'll see me next on any of those platforms. And my last question is, have you ever considered selling white out as merchandise? Oh my God, I <laughs> thought, you know what? It turned out to be a marketing nightmare. We really tried to figure it out. It was like illegal it was too many hoops wow you can't just resell lipsticks with your whiteout name see on that it? i thought of too late trixie oh, and i no. were talking about it trixie and i were talking about doing the lipsticks 
Anyway, whatever. All but right. we love you. Thank Listen, you for we love you. Thank here's you what so I will much. tell you. There's a new plushie coming out that is a reference to the specific moment that you're talking about. It's limited edition. So keep your eyes peeled. I want one. <laughs> I want one. All right. Thank you so much. And we, we can't wait to see you live. Thank you, Take guys. Care. Great talking to you. Bye. Bye. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Well, Lonnie, that was Ben De La Creme. Oh, my goodness. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, really you know, you talented. are a pretty good interviewer, Alec. You, yeah. know, you know what I like about you? When you mm. when you ask your questions, you are very colorful. Like, you'll give, like, a scene. That's what I'm trying to get better at in mm. interviewing. This is being totally transparent, Squirrel Friends. Okay. It's like, all right, all right. he's able to, like, he'll go, yes, you remember when we went to Beverly Hills? And it, it, one time at Beverly Hills, <laughs> they used to have green awning, and this awning was there, and then he's able, no, really, go back and listen to some of our podcasts, and okay. you can see the genius of how Alec can put in a story and weave it into the question. Whereas, I just go, how you feeling? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Lonnie just gave me some flowers. That was really lovely, Lonnie. But but see, the thing about you is you're yourself right away, and that puts everybody at ease. Like how you said about Dolly Parton is like, you can have nerves, but if you're talking to somebody who's themselves and treating you just like another person, mm-hmm. that's what you bring to the conversation. We all, we all have our purpose, but how did you like Ben? I love Ben. I just, I just think they're so talented, and there's so much thought behind what they do. When yes. Ben said that I wanted to use the art of drag to make people feel good. Yeah. You know, where she went from being very bitchy and being kind of very mm-hmm. goth, this goth character, to wanting to be a queen that really kind of yep. brought joy into the room. I absolutely love that. And also, I love that Ben's so completely themselves and talks about personal stuff like depression. Yes. And dealing with that and everything. So uh, the genuineness 
I always appreciate Well, the it. reason why I think it's important for us to, yeah, we want to talk to the queens, but it's very important because you always get something a little bit extra. And mm-hmm. you also get the thought process and the meaning. It's like everybody thinks people just get on drag race and that's what they do. We're understanding the process of why. A lot of people don't know. Sometimes people audition three, four, five times just mm-hmm. to get on. And it's like, what would make you you know, want to keep getting on a show and you keep getting right. rejected, things like that. These are the behind-the-scene tidbits that you don't get. So that's mm-hmm. why, you know, we just make these interviews, we do it, and it's just wonderful that people come on because I learn something. I, I get encouraged. Every single time. Every single I learn time. something every single time. Every now, don't forget time. to, when you talk about your queens on social media, don't forget to tip them. Show them love. Lonnie, yes. where can people show you love on, on Instagram. The, the socials? On, on, the, on the instanets. The internet. On the instanets. <laughs> on, the in, on the MySpace nets. On the instanets. <laughs> MySpace is going to make a comeback. I don't care what nobody says. I think say. so, too. Yeah, don't sleep on MySpace. <laughs> you can find me on Instagram, at Comic Lonnie Love, on Twitter, at Lonnie Love. You know, any if you've listened to me on School Friends and decided to follow me through School Friends, thank you. You can find me at Instagram at Alec Mappa. You gotta get a TikTok too. That's what you gotta start uh, no, doing. No, I'm too old. I feel no, like you're such not. An old perv you're on never. Did, have you been on TikTok? High school. Have you seen yes, some and of the it's people? It's just all high school kids doing. No, it's not. It's stuff. all kind of ages. It's all kind of. Once you do one, two, three, you'll be like, oh, I see. I don't need one more time suck. But we'll see. Never say never. You can listen to Squirrel Friends, the official RuPaul's Drag Race podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you tolerated and liked this episode, (laughs) make sure to rate and review us. Five stars, please. Tell a friend. Yes, and you can catch up on past episodes of RuPaul's Drag Race and All Stars on Paramount+. Plus. See you soon. See you soon. 